Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth quarter 2020 conference call from Warner Chappelle, Inc. Please note that this conference call will contain forward-looking statements, which reflect management's current beliefs and expectations regarding the corporation's future growth and results of operations. Actual results can differ materially from these anticipated. I would like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Stephen Liptrap, President and Chief Executive Officer of Warner Chappelle, Inc. Please go ahead, Mr. Liptrap. Thank you, Donna. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. On the call with me today is Greer Coulter, our Chief Financial Officer. Yesterday, after the markets closed, we released Morneau Chappelle's financial results for the fourth quarter of 2020 and for last year as a whole. Like always, you can access the news release, financial statements, and our MD&A on our website at morneauchappelle.com. Today, I will review our business performance from last year, our fourth quarter highlights, and then briefly go over the news today about our intention to change our company name to LifeWorks. Then Greer will cover off our financials before we open the call to questions. To start, our 2020 results speak to the strong resiliency of our business model, especially during a challenging time like no other. We delivered a solid year in 2020 that featured revenue, profitability, and organic revenue growth. We met our expectations for 2020 that we had set prior to the arrival of COVID-19 in March and the lockdowns that followed. All things considered, we're pleased by how the year turned out. The fourth quarter was also very solid, much like the third quarter, with the same trends slower in-person services, but also a major increase in sales of technology-enabled solutions. The number that stands out for me, in addition to solid revenues and improved profitability and margins, was organic growth of 4.4% in the quarter. For the second quarter running, we are reporting our recurring technology revenue. That includes our LifeWorks platform, ICBT, system solutions, health and welfare administration, and financial well-being. This suite of recurring revenue technology products grew at 13% in the quarter and just over 9% for the year. Let's turn to some recent business wins. Starting in the United Kingdom, we won a core well-being contract in Q4, a significant win to support 70,000 employees of one of the world's largest e-commerce companies. In the fast-growing well-being market in the United States, we won a contract in Q4 for ICBT solution for the U.S.-based employees of one of the world's largest interior automotive manufacturers. In the first month of 2021, also in the United States, we upsold a telemedicine solution to one of our existing clients, a health insurer, to support its 20,000 members. In Canada, in the digital mental health space, we developed an exciting, unique partnership with Shoppers Drug Mart near the end of last year. 
we are now providing shoppers customers through its PC Health app with access to a complete range of digital cognitive therapy solutions through Ability ICBT. In Western Canada, for the province of Alberta, we landed a large contract in Q4 to provide actuarial analysis related to the social security strategy for that province. In our benefits administration business, we are extremely pleased by two major wins at the beginning of this year. One contract is with the state of South Carolina and its public employee benefit authority. Similarly, in another U.S. state, we won a major contract to provide benefit administration services for state police and firefighter pension plan. In early February, we also completed the tuck-in acquisition of the outstanding shares of SMG Health in Australia. This brings together two companies in that market with a common vision to deliver holistic mental health and well-being to their clients' employees. Together with our other businesses in Australia, we offer an unmatched range of well-being services to corporate clients in that important market for us. As we go forward this year, our sales wins have been extremely strong and above historical levels. Our funnel continues to be strong and is growing across all lines of business. At our annual meeting in May, I'll do a more thorough review of our performance for last year and an overview of our strategic plan. But there are factors in May 2020, a solid year for us, that are worth mentioning as they speak to the state of our business today. In March last year, as COVID landed on everyone, our people and systems pivoted to remote work quickly and productively, and that is still the case. We continue to prioritize the health, safety, and well-being of our people and our clients above all else. And that commitment went a long way last year to helping us report the highest client satisfaction and employee engagement levels in our company's history. As I mentioned, as the pandemic took hold, in-person services were largely shut down as the lockdowns arrived. At the same time, we continue to see a very strong increase in demand for technology-enabled solutions provided by virtual delivery particularly in the fast-growing markets for well-being, ICBT, and telemedicine, as well as our other digital care solutions. The pivot to virtual delivery is one reason for our improving organic growth as we move deeper into the year. Additionally, during the year, we continue to see growth in retirement solutions, disability management, and pension administration, all businesses with strong recurring revenues. During the year, we added nearly 4 million lives through new client wins to our well-being business. We now cover 13.8 million direct lives through our EFAP programs, up from just over 10 million at the beginning of the year. We also saw the continued adoption of our LifeWorks platform a key part of our technology and innovation strategy. We increased lives on the platform to 5.1 million, an increase of 125%. This migration sets the stage for upselling clients to additional technology modules. At the beginning of the year, we've been upselling at 10%, and by year end, we're able to increase that to 15% even with the large increase in the base of total lives available. 
Last year, we kept rolling out new technology-enabled solutions specifically designed to address the well-being challenges in the pandemic, which has really shone a light on the mental health issues in our communities. And we have been there to help. Last April, we launched our monthly mental health index that we have talked about now on several calls. It's a new global benchmark for measuring the mental health of the working population. By year end, the index had been mentioned in the media over 2,600 times. The index is not only a brand building asset, but it provides insights that can help governments and communities with their policy decisions about public health. Also in April, we launched WellCan mobile app and website, which provides access to free mental health resources to Canadians. More than 65 people have downloaded the app and more than 30,000 people have visited the website so far. In a similar vein, our Living Well podcast launched in July and has over 8,000 podcast downloads and continues to build an audience for our thought leadership content. Finally, as I referred to in business highlights, our Ability ICBT portfolio took off last year, providing online therapy to 35,000 Canadians to help them manage their anxiety and depression symptoms, with over 1 million sessions being delivered. At the beginning of the year, we had just under $1 million in ICBT revenues, and by year-end, that was over $8 million. What I hope is clear from this review of 2020 and the fourth quarter highlights is that we are committed to strengthening our position as a global leader in the total well-being space. And there's more room for our brand to grow as we go forward. And that brings me to our announcement that we intend to change our company name to LifeWorks. For many years, the Morneau Chappelle name has served our business exceptionally well. It's a solid brand in our Canadian markets. It resonates with the quality of our people and services. That said, over the last 10 years alone, we have grown to a place where almost half our revenue now comes from outside Canada. Our growth presents an opportunity to refresh our brand to better reflect where we are going as a company and to support our purpose as a technology-enabled leader in total well-being. We really do have a great story to tell as a company today with some 24,000 clients delivering services in more than 160 countries and operating in a fast-changing and growing industry globally. For starters, we like that LifeWorks speaks to our purpose as a business, improving lives, improving business. It's the idea that by improving a person's life, we improve how they perform at work and how their organizations and communities work. The global well-being industry, like our company, is changing fast. It's a much more dynamic and technology-focused than it has ever been before. While we're still in the B2B space, there is much more of a B2C feel in the brand presence of the market players. These are factors that suggest it is the right time for a new company name to support our growth strategy. This has not been a decision that we have taken lightly or without considerable research. We conducted an in-depth name evaluation process involving our key stakeholders, including clients, brokers, advisors, buyers, and decision makers across all 
of our lines of business in all of our major markets. LifeWorks, as a name, outperformed all other naming options in our extensive research. It was a top choice for a new name that reflects all aspects of our business in our market segments and key geographies, Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia. It is a confident name, memorable and appropriate for a company with our global strategy and aspirations. It is also a name that works well for a technology company. We look forward to a formal brand launch after our annual meeting in May and continuing to build on our history and legacy as we move to the next chapter. In closing, there are three levers for growth in our business model that are really driving our company forward. One is a solid core of recurring revenues across our businesses. The second is our accelerating global expansion. And the third is our proven ability to innovate with new technologies to create market-leading solutions. And that is why we are sharing our growth rate of recurring technology revenues on a regular basis. On that note, Greer Coulter will review the financials. Greer? Thanks, Stephen, and good morning. Let's start with the financials for the full year. To echo what Stephen said, 2020 was an excellent year for the business, and we adapted well to the changes brought about by COVID-19. Revenue grew 10.2% to $979.2 million, with adjusted EBITDA increasing 9.6% to $200 million. Adjusted EBITDA margins were essentially flat to prior year at 20.4%. The increase in adjusted EBITDA is due to organic growth and the mid-year 2019 acquisition of Mercer's large market administration business, partially offset by the divestiture of our benefits consulting business. Adjusted EBITDA per share for the year was $2.87, a 4% increase compared to $2.76 in 2019. Profit for the year was $55.9 million compared to $19 million in 2019. The increase is primarily due to the gain realized on the divestiture of our benefits consulting business back in March 2020, followed by organic growth in the business. Normalized free cash flow for the year decreased to $101.2 million compared to $104.6 million for the same period in 2019, primarily due to higher capex partially offset by higher cash provided by operating activities. The company will maintain its policy of paying a monthly dividend of 6.5 cents per share. Turning to the fourth quarter, we are very pleased with the overall results. While we continue to face some headwind in our face-to-face services, we delivered strong revenue of 249.6 million, representing 4.4% organic growth compared to last year. Adjusted EBITDA increased 6.2% to 51 million, with adjusted EBITDA margins increasing to 20.4% from 19.4%. As Stephen noted, we were happy with the quarterly performance of our technology-enabled solutions, and of particular mention, our health and productivity solutions business grew at 22% organically in the quarter as a result of very strong performance from our ICBT product. We had anticipated coming into the quarter that we would complete all the integration work related to our Mercer acquisition, and we've done that. With 650,000 included in our adjusted items for the quarter, and you'll recall that we completed our LifeWorks integration work in Q3. So as planned for 2021, the only anticipated item to be adjusted is our ERP project, 
unless, of course, we were to do a transaction. For the reasons I just noticed, no, noted, we delivered profit of $10.8 million compared to $2.6 million for the fourth quarter last year. Earnings per share was $0.15 cents in the quarter compared to $0.04 cents in Q4 2019. And we generated normalized free cash flow of $23 million compared to $18 million last year. In closing, I'd like to emphasize that our liquidity position remains very strong, giving us the capacity to support our growth strategy. We did an excellent job managing our working capital throughout 2020, and our receivables declined during the year as we grew the business. Draws on a revolving credit facility declined by about $60 million during the year to end at about $415 million at year-end. And with that, I'll turn it back to you, Stephen. Thanks, Greer. In summary, we ended the year with a very solid fourth quarter that met our expectations for the year. During a very challenging time, we grew revenue, profit, and saw higher levels of organic growth while maintaining strong sales pipeline that bodes well going forward. I'd like to thank everyone on the call for your time so far today, and we'd be pleased to now answer your questions. Donna, please go ahead and open the line. Thank you. We'll now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while participants register. Thank you for your patience. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And the first question is from Stephanie Price. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Morning, Stephanie. I hope you could talk a little bit about the conversion rates on the LifeWorks platform. Looks like it had a good tick up again this quarter. Just curious how we should think about the drivers of, of the continued conversion and, and what you're seeing in that part of the business. Yeah, more than happy to. Uh, the conversions actually exceeded our expectations. I think the team have done a great job, Stephanie. So the way... I like to think about it. We've got about 13.8 million direct lives uh, through our EAP program. So those are lives associated with our clients. We have now got 5.1 million of them uh, where the organizations have agreed to put their employees on the platform, which is absolutely great. And then with that 5.1 million, we have an opportunity to go out and upsell. We had been upselling at a rate of about 10%, which we we're quite happy with. Um, and that accelerated through the year where we ended the year having upsold about 15% uh, percent of those lives. So very happy on those measures across the board. 
Great, thanks. And then hoping maybe a comment on the competitive environment as well. It seems like there's been a couple of well-being and telehealth firms that have, you know, either come to market or are looking to IPO in Canada. Just curious if if you see the competition is increasing and and how you and more know kind of differentiates from some of these newer entrants. Yeah, it's really interesting because, um, as you know, we had a partnership for a number of years. Um, with a very strong uh, telemedicine provider, and that's great, and we continue to win business with them uh, and go forward. We also made the decision at our client's request really to uh, put in place our own telemedicine solution so that when people are on the EAP platform, on the LifeWorks platform, they can also access telemedicine um, seamlessly. And uh, we continued through fourth quarter where we sold well over a million dollars in that business. We continue to see uh, that trend as we moved into Q1. So we actually see it as an accelerator um, within that business. Okay, great. And then maybe just finally for me, you mentioned international expansion a couple times in the script um, and then the Australian acquisition that occurred post-quarter. Just curious how you're thinking about the international opportunity here and how we should kind of think about this Australian acquisition. Yeah, and uh, if you think about Stephanie, our largest market, so we deliver services in over 160 countries around the world, but we've really got strength when I think about sales and account management and on-the-ground resources in substantial quantity in Canada, the U.S., U.K., and Australia. The Australia acquisition was really good for us because it vaults us nicely into solidly number two within that marketplace. Uh, it also broadens out our services, and we just see that as a market that is ripe for total well-being, and we will be able to continue to grow. We also see that market as one where there might also be other tuck-in opportunities similar to what we've done in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, we also, you know, we deliver services quite a bit within the U.K. That's a key market for us. Uh, and we're able to get into mainland Europe from the UK. If there was an opportunity to continue to grow our business in mainland Europe, we would obviously look at that either from a growth standpoint or from an inorganic growth standpoint as we go forward. We also have some joint ventures, as I've talked about before, in some other markets, and we see these really as seedlings, uh, which may take off and grow. We're seeing very good growth uh, in those businesses. That is in um, Russia, Brazil, China, and Eastern Europe, uh, but they are very small today. But we do see high percentage growth rates within those markets. Great. Thank you very much. I'll pass the line. Great. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. The next question is from Graham Riding from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, good morning. Morning, Graham. If I could, if I could start with, um, I think you mentioned that you added 2.8 million lives to your well-being offering in 2020. Um, so I think the math is 25 to 30% increase. You know, is that going to translate into well-being related revenue jumping by, by that amount? Or how should we think about the revenue impact from the increase that you're seeing in lives covered? Yeah, the way I think about it, Graham and Stephen here, is the first thing moving from 10 million lives and moving over to um, 13 million lives coming onto our over plat overall platform. Yes, as we add those <coughs> direct lives, that's per employee per month, uh, some of that revenue would have shown up as we move through the year and the contracts that we signed towards the end of the year, the revenue will show up in 2021. 
once we get them on, we move them over to our to so that's in our EAP system. Once they're in our EAP system or our well-being system, we move them over to our LifeWorks Total Wellbeing platform. We do that at no cost, so that really is a 5.1 million, and then we upsell additional modules to them at that point in time. If a normal EAP is call it two to four dollars per employee per month, the additional modules and selling a Total Wellbeing solution would be another two to four dollars per employee per month, and that's why we track very closely what percentage we are upselling from that 5.1 million. And again, as I mentioned before, we're very pleased to have that rate up at 15%. Got it. So that's 15% of the 5.1 have been uh, Correct. Sort of, uh, taken on the total lobby. Okay. Yep. Um, you mentioned on the, on the your earlier remarks, but I didn't fully catch. You know, I wondered if you could just flush it again for it's exactly what's included when you talk about your tech-enabled well-being products, what, what are those? Yeah, the easiest way to think about it, so the first thing we want to do is just to provide more clarity uh, for everyone really on the call and everyone who follows our company closely. We just thought it'd be very valuable to pull out from our businesses things that are technology-enabled, we're delivering through tech, and things that are re recurring revenue uh, in particular. So that is what we've really done with that measure. Those things would include things like our LifeWorks platform, so selling the platform and people on it. Um, it would include our ICBT solution that we're delivering. It would include our benefits administration, where we're selling our benefit system. It would include the ongoing revenue from our system solutions, where we sell that into uh, large, primarily government organizations, and it would include financial well-being. The common element to all of those to me is they're all recurring revenue. They're all delivered through technology. As I mentioned, we were very pleased to see those grow 13% in the quarter. I don't know if we'll hit that every quarter, but we're very pleased to see overall for the year they grew at 9%. Um, and I think, as I've mentioned before, we would target that suite of services to be growing in the high single digits. Okay, got it. And so the offset is is the uh, the other areas of business is what brings it all down to four percent. Yeah, the biggest offset in my mind, Graham, is really, and we've talked about this uh, through the pandemic, is just uh, we have a lot of face-to-face -face services that you know immediately stopped, and some have come back in some form, delivering virtually, and some have not. Those things would include uh, things like where we deliver children support solutions. People come to a facility for things like autism, speech therapy, things like that, uh, where we go on site and help uh, with specific traumatic events. So think about banks getting robbed and things like that, where we're not providing those on site services. And some could also include where we're going on site to provide actuarial services and things like that, where you know, clients have put some of those projects on hold. So I, the way I would look at it is we had really, really strong growth that we're very happy with uh, through the pandemic relating to our technology solutions directly ties to our strategy and where we're trying to go. And we had some things that uh, would have been much more on the negative side or stop, which would have been more of the face-to-face uh, in-person -face in services. Again, some of those have come back virtually as we move through the year, but you cannot provide some of those uh, services fully virtual. Okay. Uh, understood. Um, I'll maybe reach you. That's it for me. Thanks. Thank Great. you. Thanks, Graham. The next question is from Etienne Ricard from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. 
Thank you and good morning. Good morning. So, so to follow up on that last topic, um, so, you know, organic growth continues to improve. If we look at the headwinds that you faced in the first half of 2020 in terms of reduced um, in-person revenues, what percentage would you say uh, you have been able to move um, virtually? Yeah, hi, Etienne, it's uh, Greer here. Uh, maybe I'll try this one. But um, so just to be clear, these businesses were um, in our LifeWorks business, firstly, and then secondly, I'd say it was in the Canadian region, just to um, clarify that. Uh, if you look at overall for Morneau, uh, the headwind was in and around 100 basis points. So if you look at our organic growth, for example, in fourth quarter, was about was 4.4%. So, you know, the impact of that, you know, we would have said uh, we probably more normalized would have been growing in the fourth quarter at five and a half percent. And then if you apply it to the LifeWorks business, which grew uh, 4.1% in the fourth quarter, and you can do this math uh, back the envelope yourself, but that business would have grown more like six and a half percent in the quarter. So yeah, the impact's about 100 basis points uh, top line to the overall total consolidated business. Okay, that's great, great information. And uh, looking into 2021, could we go over your expectations for capital expenditures, and, and could you provide an, um, you know a timeline in terms of your ERP implementation as well as your Toronto real estate footprint uh, consolidation? Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's Greer again. Um, the capex estimate this year probably be pretty similar to last year, so it'll be in the 70 to 75 million range. <clears throat> the reason for the elevated capital, as we've talked about before, is really in 2021 primarily driven by two things. Number one, as you mentioned, the ERP project, which will be done in the third or fourth quarter of this year. Um, and the original uh, kind of estimate on that was uh, $20 million or so. It will maybe be a couple million over that as we evolve through the project and looked at the functionality. It, it, uh, it may be a little bit more than that, but not materially. Um, and then and roughly half of that we spent in 2020, but the other half uh, uh, will be in 2021. And then the second reason for the elevated CapEx, as I think you were mentioning, is the real estate build-out. So we've got uh, about $20 million of, of CapEx that uh, uh, is leasehold improvements for our new um, head office in Toronto, which is really the consolidation of about 200,000 square feet into 120,000, um, which uh, that's really what's driving that. And then you know, beyond that, um, the CapEx in 2022 and beyond should come off uh, to the tune of $20 million. Um, and I think, you know, important, obviously, these were kind of one-time items that are, you know, not, we're not talking technology spend here. We'll continue to invest in the businesses and the products and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Right. So so if I, if I understand correctly, you know, looking into 2022, your expectations are for capex to to normalize to you know five percent of of revenue. Yeah, I, I think that's a good estimate. Like a, yeah, fifty to fifty-five million. I mean, obviously we haven't done the specific budgets for the year and all that kind of stuff, but that's the range that we would expect. Okay, great. And last one for me, in terms of the M&A environment, could could you detail how your pipeline is looking like these days and uh, remind us of what you would look for in a potential acquisition? Yeah, so uh, I kind of put it into three categories. Um, 
where we can get, you know, products that we can add to our rails. So stuff that we're not selling today, but where we could, you know, cross sell it or bring it into our ecosystem, put it on our platform and sell it. That's the first category. Second is uh, scale. So, you know, particularly in the, the admin business, but also applicable to the AP business. These are scale businesses and as you can grow them to become more efficient. So we're always looking at uh, ways to grow these businesses, obviously organically, but also uh, inorganically. And then the third is geographically. And so, um, you know, the, we had a nice example of a, a small acquisition in Australia. We'll continue to do these kinds of things. In terms of the M&A environment, um, I would say the evolution in the last quarter, uh, we're seeing um, better flow, so that's good. Um, and it's in, I would say, all of the categories. I'd say there's a lot of money on the sidelines, so the competition for M&A is, uh, is pretty tough. But, uh, you know, we've got other levers that we can use. Um, you know, cross-sell as an example, um, so where we've got a legitimate business so we can, you know, compete in certain areas with private equity. But I guess, you know, where we're, we may find more success on the smaller end of the market in the near term. So where we may have to do, you know, smaller acquisitions where we kind of stay out of that space where you have large auctions and a ton of private equity money. Um, but, you know, it continues to evolve. I'd say uh, the, the pipeline's looking as good as it's looked in a year. Uh, so that's positive, but uh, you know we'll continue to be very disciplined. We know what we want and what we don't want, and uh, we've got criteria and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I'd say the pipeline's looking a lot better. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. The next question is from Jamie Gloy from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Uh, First question, just on the uh, the LifeWorks migration, I think uh, we're all pretty uh, pretty impressed with the stats you threw out there. And just if, if I'm thinking about this correctly, um, from the the Q3 disclosure to today, uh, it sounds like the the number of lives covered by the enhanced platform has has almost doubled from like you know you know call it 400,000 lives to uh, you know north of 750,000 lives. So. That's a pretty big step up in this quarter. Um, is that the kind of pace you're you're expecting uh, on a quarterly basis? And I guess you know what would have caused that big jump this quarter relative to uh, the last three quarters. Yeah, great question, James. Stephen here, and your numbers are dead on, uh, and we're also equally excited by that. Um, I think it's probably too early to fully follow uh, what the pace is going to be. I think we would expect it to continue to increase quarter after quarter and we will continue to look at you know how do we continue selling more modules in the past quarter some of them were related to what i would call ongoing regular movement and we also had some very large clients uh move their employees and the large clients are going to make it a little bit lumpier um so i'm not sure if i can say that will be the growth rate every single quarter but i think we will continue to see you know, what we saw on the annual basis, we would continue to see that accelerate over time. Okay, great. Um, the uh, the first client win that you mentioned, uh, it's a UK-based e-commerce company uh, with 70,000 employees, I guess, first. Is, is that correct? And then uh, what, uh, what solutions did they add? Did they add like a core platform, LifeWorks EAP solution, or is there something more involved with this relationship? Yeah, um, and you would absolutely know uh, the client, so I'll leave that with you. But, uh, yeah, we're just on a no-names basis on some of these wins, obviously. But, yeah, they're one of the largest uh, e-retailers in the world, 
and we won the total well-being solution for their UK employees. And we would look to obviously move that contract into some other geographies. But uh, we're very excited by it, and we continue to get a lot of interest from our clients. And when you think about what's gone on in the pandemic, I mean, in the old world, it was really, really important to have an EAP and have somewhere that your employees could reach out to and get the support on a anonymous, confidential basis when they wanted it and when they needed it. As we move to the pandemic, it becomes even more valuable that you figure out, you know, how do I provide a broader range of service to employees? How do I give them the opportunity, if they're at home and feeling lonely, to connect as part of recognition? How do I make them feel part of a bigger organization? How do I communicate better with them and, you know, allow them to chat with other employees? How do I give them the opportunity to save money on things that might be showing up to their door because they're ordering? We just see a tremendous amount of interest for all of the things that we offer through the platform. And as Greer said, we will continue to look at either M&A or our own builds or partnerships to put more and more things onto that platform. And we've already seen really early success uh, with telemedicine. Um, And again, clients don't want one-off separate solutions that their employees have to find. They're very excited to talk to them about one platform that hosts everything that their employees are looking for. Okay, great. And if I could just dig in a little bit more uh, and you know, speaking to this relationship specifically, when you say total well-being, how many, uh, how many modules or services would, uh, would they be signing up for? And is it uh, more or less than your existing client base? So what I'm trying to understand is like the, the new clients that are coming in, are they coming in because of all of the exciting new modules and solutions Morno is providing? Or is it similar to your sort of base client? Yeah, what I would say is, you know, before we got into the pandemic, we were really selling either a core platform for LifeWorks or we were selling a total well-being platform. And, you know, we didn't let people pick and choose the modules. As we moved into the pandemic, we thought there was tremendous value to allowing clients to choose the modules. Some of them, you know, might want recognition. Some of them might just want perks and things like that. What we have found, James, is that for the most part, our clients are taking the vast majority of the modules. There might be a reason not to take one of them, and it might be I already have a strong recognition platform, but give me everything else. Or it might be I don't want perks because um, in the retailer's case, I don't want perks because my competitors are showing up and I don't want to offer my competitor products to my employees. So we tend to find there's a really good reason for a client to maybe not take one module or something like that, but it's more that than, oh, just give me that one module. So it's pretty close to what we're hoping with total well-being in the first place, uh, but a little bit more nuanced. And I think our teams did a really, really nice job listening to our clients and then altering our offering a little bit to make sure we're delivering services our clients wanted. Right, okay. Uh, that's good. Uh, last one for me, uh, if you if you can uh, share with us some more uh, some more color about the SMG uh, acquisition and specifically about the Australia market. Like, uh, can you give us some uh, some color around market sizing, uh, Morno's positioning, and and how this helps Morno in in that market and what you uh, what you see from that market going forward? Yeah, um, similar to the rest of the world, we see a tremendous 
um, opportunity within Australia and a lot of those different markets. Um, we know it fairly well. We have looked at it for quite a while, and as you can imagine, we've delivered services. When we did the LifeWorks acquisition, we did pick up a business within Australia that we were quite excited about. Uh, that business was kind of number two in the market, but I would argue there was, you know, if we were 2A, there was a whole bunch of 2Bs and 2Cs in there. With this acquisition, we moved firmly into the number two space with a lot of distance between us and the other folks below us. So, you know, that obviously is very meaningful. Similar to the rest of the world, though, we see Australia as the opportunity to move not just from EAP, but into total well-being. And it's an opportunity to talk to clients around all of the different things we offer, mental, physical, financial, and social health. It's an opportunity to move folks onto the total well-being platform or sell additional modules and things like that. We also think that there's a lot of opportunity within that market to continue to do acquisitions and move towards being a larger player within that marketplace. So, yeah, it's it's quite interesting, and we also see Australia as a good opportunity to continue to service other markets, be it in Asia or New Zealand, from that spot. And, Jay, maybe I'll just uh, add on top, you know, just order of magnitude. This is uh – I'm not sure whether this was public or not, but uh, it's about $10 million in revenue, give or take. Uh, that's kind of the size of it. And, you know, re- returns, uh, you know, above our threshold that we've talked about before. So we're, you know, happy with the deal. It's obviously, we would love if it was five or ten times the size, but, uh, you know, a great little deal for us. Yeah, and just building on that, Jane, the one thing I would say, and Greer mentioned it in his comments as well, you know, we will continue to look for the larger acquisitions that will move the dial, but, you know, we've been very, very successful for a number of years doing tuck-in acquisitions. Our teams are very good at it. It's a core competence as us as an organization, and this Australia acquisition really fits into that. I know it's always a lot of work as we talk to our teams to do the smaller ones, uh, but we're very good and they easily fold in. So we do see that as a key part of our strategy continuing going forward. Great color. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. The next question is from Graham Riding from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, you've talked in the past about um, the LifeWorks platform and how you've got, a, I think, a bit of a vision to put more services on that platform, such as your benefits admin or maybe your ICBT product. Can you talk about where you're where you're at with that process, or if I'm if I'm right in in that being the, the longer term strategy? Yeah, you're exactly right, Graham. And um, I think I would say that there's two things we've been focused on with that platform. And I would say, as I describe that platform in the future, it's not our LifeWorks platform and putting more on. It's going to be um, more of an enterprise platform and what we surface through our clients through it. Um, and I think the two things that we've been focused on, one I would call plumbing, so making sure that the platform is globally relevant, making sure that we've got um, all the security features um, for many clients putting single sign-on, uh, making sure we look at data residency, making sure our languages exist, and all of the locales that our uh, clients' organizations have employees. So there's a whole bunch of plumbing work uh, that's taken place over the last year, which I think was really, really important as we go forward. Uh, then you're exactly right. We continue to look at how we offer more services through the platform. 
couple examples as we moved into the pandemic, we started offering physical health um, through on the platform. So you could go on and do workouts. You could link into a personal trainer. You could have them work with you. A lot of our clients' employees obviously use that quite a bit as we got in the pandemic. We also had the ability to uh, surface on there our telemedicine solution. Again, many clients have said we really appreciate that being in a similar place. Uh, so that has been gr- very great for us. Uh, we are in the process as we go forward, and we have a five-year roadmap of how do we link in our ICBT solutions in that for clients who want to be able to access ICBT in a single place. Uh, and that's kind of on the roadmap right now. And for some clients, we put uh, key parts from our other platforms, pension and benefit information, into that platform as well. So we've got a very strong roadmap. That roadmap looks at continuing to put more services in that platform. And what I would always say to our team, as long as our clients value it um, and, you know, they're willing to pay for those services. Okay. That's good color. In a similar, I guess, theme, your health and productivity division, it, it, it's sometimes, it has a lot of similarities to the well-being side of your business. Is there any potential that you just sort of uh, integrate that area into your life being, uh, your well-being area, just consolidate it? Yeah, it's sort of a really good question, Graham. So I would make a couple comments. So first of all, both those businesses have so much in front of them in terms of potential that I think having our teams and having very, very strong leaders in those both those businesses that are thinking about where we go and what we do in those businesses is really, really important. Um, we are also, though, very good at making sure where it makes sense. Uh, we approach clients in a very integrated way. So I'll give you an example. I mean, we've recently moved to leverage our very large LifeWorks sales and account management workforce of well over 100 people uh, to sell ICBT. Um, We've got a very specialized group within our ICBT business that is very focused on moving into some new verticals and some high growth markets as well. So even though we've got businesses and divisions that are focused on their product roadmap, uh, when we go to market, if it makes sense to go to market in an integrated way, we're very good at doing that, and our teams are very focused on doing that. Perfect. That's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time. I'd like to turn the meeting back over to you, Mr. Lipcap. Great. Thank you very much, Donna. I'd like to end by expressing my thanks to everybody on the call. We continue to appreciate your interest in our company and we look forward to other opportunities in the future, including these calls, to keep you up to date on what we're doing to drive our growth and success as a business. Thank you. Thank you. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.